add all the things that he's experienced. I'm not going to go over those at this time. And, and Job, as we saw last week in chapter 3, gave a discourse, his response, and he was at a low point. And you have studied in, in your study that then two of his friends responded to him. And, and they meant well, but their purpose was to encourage him, to help him, but it, it really did not do that. Job then responds again, somewhat in a self-defense manner, and uh, in... In several chapters, you read his defense. So imagine, he he has just given his defense. Again, he's sitting at the city dump where lepers go. He is filled with boils. He's taken broken vessels and scraped the boils to try to bring relief. He's lost everything, including his health. He hasn't been able to sleep. He can't eat. He's running a fever. And everything being said to him is very demoralizing and condescending. And, and now, another friend comes to speak to him. And um, to help us to, to kind of catch the flavor of this, um, we're going to be reading a chapter, and Zophar is going to come, a friend, and is going to read to you uh, from a type of paraphrase, you follow along, and then Job will answer. This is Job 11, Job 11. As Pastor said, a paraphrase. This is reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation. Job 11. Now it was the turn of Zophar from Namath. What a flood of words. Shouldn't we put a stop to it? Should this kind of loose talk be permitted? Job, do you think you can carry on like this and will say nothing that will let you rail and mock and step in? You claim, my doctrine is sound and my conduct impeccable. How I wish God would give you a piece of his mind, tell you what's what. I wish he'd show you how wisdom looks from the inside, for true wisdom is mostly inside. But you can be sure of this, you haven't gotten half of what you deserve. Do you think you can explain the mystery of God? Do you think you can diagram God Almighty? God is far higher than you can imagine, far deeper than you can comprehend, stretching farther than the earth's horizons, far wider than the endless ocean. If he happens along, throws you in jail, then hauls you to court, can you do anything about it? He sees through vain pretensions, spots evil a long way off. No one pulls the wool over his eyes. Hollow men, hollow women, will wise up about the same time mules learn to talk. Reach out to God. Still, if you set your heart on God and reach out to him, if you scrub your hands of sin and refuse to entertain evil in your home, You'll be able to face the world unashamed and keep a firm grip on life, guiltless and fearless. You'll forget your troubles, 
They'll be like old, faded photographs. Your world will be washed in sunshine, every shadow dispersed by dayspring. Full of hope, you'll relax, confident again. You'll look around, sit back, and take it easy. Expansive, without a care in the world, you'll be hunted out by many for your blessing. But the wicked will see none of this. They're headed down a dead-end road with nothing to look forward to. Nothing. Job could not let that speech go unresponded to, so Job said, I'm sure you speak for all the experts, and when you die, no one will be left to tell us how to live. But don't forget, I have a brain too. I don't intend to play second fiddle to you. It doesn't take an expert to know the things that you've said. I'm ridiculed by my friends. So that's the man who had conversations with God, ridiculed without mercy. Look at the man who never did wrong. It's easy for the well-to-do to point their fingers in blame, for the well-fixed to pour scorn on the strugglers. Crooks reside safely in high-security houses. Insolent blasphemers live in luxury. They're bought and paid for a God who will protect them. But ask the animals what they think. Let them teach you. Let the birds tell you what's going on. Put your ear to the earth. Learn the basics. Listen. The fish in the ocean will tell you their stories. Isn't it clear that they all know and agree that God is sovereign, that he holds all things in his hand? Every living soul, yes, every breathing creature. Isn't this all just common sense, as common as the sense of taste? Do you think the elderly have a corner on wisdom? That you have to grow old before you understand life? True wisdom and real power belong to God. From Him we learn to live and also what to live for. If He tears something down... It's down for good. If he locks people up, they're locked up for good. If he holds back the rain, there's a drought. If he lets it loose, there's a flood. Strength and success belong to God. Both deceived and deceiver must answer to him. He strips experts of their vaunted credentials, exposes judges as witless fools, He divests kings of their royal garments and then ties a rag around their waist. He strips priests of their robes and fires high officials from their jobs. He forces trusted sages to keep silent. He deprives elders of their good sense and wisdom. He dumps contempt on famous people and disarms the strong and mighty. God shines a spotlight into the caves of darkness and hauls deepest darkness into the noonday sun. He makes nations rise and then fall, builds up some and abandons others. He robs world leaders of their reason and sends them off into no man's land. They grope in the dark without a clue, lurching and staggering like drunks. Look, I have seen all this with my own eyes and heard it with my own ears, and now I understand. I know as much as you do. You are no better than I am. As for me, 
I will speak directly to the Almighty. I want to argue my case with God Himself. As for you, you smear me with lies. As physicians, you are worthless quacks. If only you could be silent. That's the wisest thing you could do. Listen to my charge. Pay attention to my arguments. Are you defending God with lies? Do you make your dishonest argument for His sake? Will you slant your testimony in His favor? Will you argue God's case for Him? What will happen when He finds out what you're doing? Can you fool Him as easily as you fool people? No, you will be in trouble with Him if you secretly slant your testimony in His favor. Doesn't His majesty terrify you? Doesn't your fear of Him overwhelm you? Your platitudes are as valuable as ashes. Your defense is as fragile as a clay pot. Be silent now and leave me alone. Let me speak and I will face the consequences. Why should I put myself in mortal danger and take my life in my own hands? God might kill me, but I have no other hope. I'm going to argue my case with Him. But this is what will save me. I am not godless. If I were, I could not stand before Him. Listen closely to what I am about to say. Hear me out. I have prepared my case. I will be proved innocent. Who can argue with me over this? And if you prove me wrong... I will remain silent and die. O God, grant me these two things, and then I will be able to face you. Remove your heavy hand from me, and don't terrify me with your awesome presence. Now summon me, and I will answer. Or let me speak to you, and you reply. Tell me, what have I done wrong? Show me my rebellion and my sin. Why do you turn away from me? Why do you treat me as your enemy? Would you terrify a leaf blown by the wind? Would you chase dry straw? You write bitter accusations against me and bring up all the sins of my youth. You put my feet in stocks. You examine all my paths. You trace all my footprints. I waste away like rotting wood, like a moth-eaten coat. How frail is humanity? How short is life? And how full of trouble? We blossom like a flower and then wither. Like a passing shadow, we quickly disappear. Must you keep an eye on such a frail creature and demand an accounting from me? Who can bring purity out of an impure person? No one. You have decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we will live, and we are not given a minute longer. So leave us alone and let us rest. We are like hired hands, so let us finish our work in peace. So the dialogue of Zophar and Job um, bear out many at times, sarcastic remarks. Um, Both of them spoke truth, and yet you say, well, how do you fit all of that together? 
Job, as we just read, made his appeal to God and, and directed his appeal to God. But we are reminded in all of this, all of the, all of the dialogues of the book of Job, that Proverbs gives many warnings. And, and in this one, we find the exhortation in Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5. It says, Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you be like unto him. But the next verse says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. So it, it's given us instruction. Be careful. Don't answer a fool and be like him, but answer a fool enough to show him that he's in foolishness. So here we have Zophar and Job in our studies today. And we're again reminded, Proverbs 12:15 says, Every way of man is right in his own eyes. Zophar believed he was 100% right in what he was saying. Job believed he was 100% right in his, his sayings. But Proverbs also says that we believe we're right in our own eyes, but it's God that trieth the hearts. We also read in Proverbs 16 that it says, Wise counsel brings healing to the bone. And in Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. That our tongue is very, very powerful. The power of words can minister death or it can minister life. So as we look at this, and you'll... Uh, after we're done here, you'll go to the small groups and, and you'll look at it in more detail. But, but we come to realize, first of all, Zophar had all the answers. He came on the scene. He had all the answers. He told Job what he needed to do. Um, but he, he didn't have the whole picture. Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a man asked his wife, if you could have anything in the world for one day, what would you want? She responded with a smile, well, I'd really love to be six again. Earlier, early the next morning, the morning of her birthday, he got up, went off, went to the nearby Waffle House for waffles and whipped cream, tall glass of milk. Next, he took her to the theme park. What a day. He put her on every ride, the death slide, the cyclone whip, the screaming loop, the wall of fear, the double ring Ferris wheel, everything they had, they rode it. And um, her head was reeling, her stomach was churning, but off to McDonald's they go next. What six-year-old doesn't like McDonald's? Two Big Macs, extra fries, and a milkshake. They take a, a, then go to an exciting animated um, kids movie. They have popcorn and Pepsi and M&Ms topping the day off what no six-year-old could even comprehend. A full day like that. Exhausted, they stumble into the house 
And later that evening, her husband collapses on the couch next to her. And that was when he leaned over and softly whispered in her ear, Well, dear, how did you like being six again? With one eye open, she said, Well, actually, I meant my dress size. (laughs) See, when we don't have all the facts, we come to wrong conclusions. And Zophar, as we've said, and Job did not know what took place in heaven. So Zophar looked at this and came to a conclusion that was wrong. And, and he was giving advice that was true, but it was advice that in this situation wasn't coming across in the way that, that he intended. So Zophar, on one hand, had all the answers, And on the other hand, Job had no answers. Job had no idea why all of this came into his life. And and God, as you'll see throughout this study, God never actually told him why. There will be many times in life when we will not have an answer. When you don't know why, when you don't know what is next, when you don't know which way to turn, and on one hand, Zophar had all the answers telling Job, you do this, you do this, you do this, and then everything will be great. God didn't really agree with his advice that he gave him there. Job, on the other hand, and and he speaks out, he says, you're not telling me anything I don't already know, but what I don't know is is what is going on in my life. What is is my sin? I, I am blameless, not meaning he was without sin, but he had taken care of his sin. Am I being punished for this? And, and Job had no answers. And as I said, we learn from this that there will be many times in our life when we don't have the answer. Now, without just minimizing it, we want to mention God alone is the answer. And in Job's discourse, he understands and he comes back to God. He comes back to God and in Job 12, 13 through through chapter 13 and verse 1, he lists all the things that God does. With him are wisdom and strength. He is counsel and understanding. If he breaks a thing down, it cannot be rebuilt. He goes on and he lists things. If he imprisons a man, there can be no release. And he's reminding himself of the character of Job, of God. And and although he has no answer, he has this sense to know the only answer is going to be found in God. So he goes back and he reminds himself and Zophar and his friends I know who God is. This is who God is. 
this is what God does. And in fact, for me to get answers, I want to go talk directly to God. I'll take my case to God. I mean, that, that's pretty bold. But that's where Job was. And he, he understood that God is in full control. He said, you go look at the animals. They know that God is sovereign. They know God sends the storms. They know, look at nature. I know God is sovereign. I know God rules over everything. So I want to go talk to God. And, and he realized that God alone is the answer and God alone has the answer and that God is in full control and the only one that Job will bow to. So, as we look at these chapters, I think there's, there's at least three lessons that we can learn from this. <clears throat> Number one, don't expect others to understand exactly what is going on in your life. Do you understand our relationships are between us and God. And God usually doesn't let others in on it. I mean, for us to expect that others know and understand what God is doing in our life, we are in error, and yet we as human beings are prone to run to man for explanations, for comfort, and for direction. We are all different. We all run a different course that God has designed for us. We all have different experiences. We all have different makeup. I think of David. His brothers didn't understand when... When God had put in his heart to battle Goliath. And, and the ridicule that he received, the mocking that he received, could have easily stopped him from doing what God had wanted if he had, if he had been in the, in the mentality that, well, I need to build this team that is in agreement with me. One with God is a majority. And, and it is important for us to realize it is better to put Psalm 118 and verse 8, it is better to put your trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Psalm 146, verse 3, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. The psalmist said in Psalm 56, 11, In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do to me. See, what was going on in Job's life, nobody else understood, and Job himself didn't understand. But many times we look to others and we expect them to understand what God is doing in our life. I can't emphasize enough, your relationship with God is between you and God. 
I don't mean it's completely private, and, and I know we need to, to work together, and, and that's a whole other subject. But for you to know the will of God in a daily manner, in a big issue, whatever it is, that comes down to you and your relationship with God. No, no other person can know the will of God for your life. And, and there come many situations that God knows what He's doing in your life or my life. And, and it is important for us to realize we don't need to build this team that's in agreement with God. Because in many instances, we as human beings don't agree with God. So you alone must build your walk with God. You alone must repent. Call upon God for forgiveness. Draw near to God and continue in your walk with God. That was good advice that Zophar gave. But it's important for us to realize I can't determine if someone has done that or if they haven't. That is going to be between them and God. And we must realize that Whatever God calls you to do, you may not have the unanimous support of others. You may not have the majority support of others. Throughout history, many, many individuals whom God used, no one else understood. I think uh, we're reading a book on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And his stand for truth during the, the build-up of um, Hitler's Germany and his stand for truth that eventually ended in his life being taken, he lost, he lost the overwhelming majority of his friends because they didn't, didn't understand, didn't agree with him. But he was true to the calling that God gave him. So, don't... Don't build your dependence or trust on what others think. The fear of man brings a snare, but those who trust in the Lord shall be strong. So don't expect others to understand. Secondly, truth without love is brutal. Job's friends were right on many things. They were right on judgment. That God does judge the evil. They were right on repentance. They were, they were most assuredly right on God's forgiveness. If you repent, God will forgive. But Job's friends, and in particular Zophar in this situation, displayed a theology of strict merit which prevents them from considering the possibility that God may treat sinners better than they deserve. And they were very ungracious to Job because they really were cut and dried. You do this and God does this and He'll cut you off. And there was no grace in it. They... They were not 
They did not have the spirit of, of Galatians 6.1, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. They were, they were very condescending. And, and although they may have been, a Chinese proverb says, though conferring face to face, their hearts have a thousand miles between them. And we've all been in situations like that. We may be face to face, but our hearts were thousands of miles separated. Zophar's entire address was not filled with grace. It was not filled with uh, a spirit of uh, manifestation of the Spirit of God. And, and it's important for us to read, realize 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is, this is we hear it at weddings and, and all of these things, but it wasn't written for weddings. Not that it's a wrong application. But he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and do not have love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy so that I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. And then it goes on and gives the definition of love. In, we may be so right in our doctrine, but be so wrong because it's not accompanied with love. Love that does not mean you approve and overlook everything. It, it is coming with the spirit of compassion and empathy. And, and way too many times in my life, that has been me. Seeking to be right in doctrine, but not having the love. And that's why God is leading me to over and over again read, I'm like a broken record, but to read the 24 characteristics of love. And I meant to bring it today, but today's characteristic exactly defines this. And it wasn't, it was, Job didn't walk away Wow, Zophar, thanks for caring. That was not conveyed at all. And that's why Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said, I want you to speak the truth in love. Last week, last week in our study, it talked about mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. God's always combining those together. Because truth can be brutal. And, and many times, many times in defending the truth, we come across with an antagonistic spirit and a spirit that, you're an idiot, can't you see? And that's exactly what Zophar used the term, empty-headed. We relate more to it as an idiot. It comes from the same derivative. And, and even in, in issues, over and over again, yesterday I had a situation that 
that didn't escalate into anything. But thankfully, my wife helped me to see, you know, you were getting where it wasn't the right spirit there. And it's true. But it doesn't matter. If you speak the truth with the wrong spirit, it's wrong. And very few people are argued to Christ. Maybe none. But we may walk away winning an argument, but losing a soul. And we may put a notch in our belt and, boy, I showed them. And we are nothing. That's what 1 Corinthians says. If I, if I speak the prophecies and I give all that I have to feed the poor and I do all these things and I don't have love, and you'll see, so far, God deals with it later, didn't have love. So we need to understand it's important to stand for truth, but it's important to stand for truth in the right spirit. A wrong spirit will undermine truth, and as I said, very few, if any, are argued to Christ. There's another principle I believe it's important for us to learn And that is, there is no limit to what you don't know. I don't know what God is doing in someone else's life. I often don't know what He's doing in my life. And we must guard against judgmental generalizations. We need to stay with the facts, not allowing ourselves to go off into suspicions and jump to false conclusions. All three of Job's friends are legalistic, judgmental, condemning, and resort to shame-based counseling. Shaming him, making him feel bad. You are suffering because you are guilty, Job. You're getting what you deserve. Zophar said, you're not getting half of what you deserve. I mean, think of that. How could he take away any more? He took away everything. How could that be half? But that was the, the judgmental condemning. You're not getting half of what you deserve. See, information is not the same as communication. Information is giving out. Communication is getting through. And that's where it must be combined, truth and mercy. If, if you don't have God's clear mind and the indisputable facts to prove it, just be there to minister to your friend and keep quiet. He said in, in Job 14, all human beings are fragile as a flower. They're as fleeting as a shadow, and they're as full of trouble as a hired man. We need to learn that although things may look like this, there is no limit to what I don't know. 
I'm going to ask you to do a, a simple exercise. The simple exercise is just go like this, okay? Can you do that? Shake your head like, I don't know. I don't know. See, some of you can't even do that, right? <laughs> what would happen if Zophar had said, I don't know, but God does? What would have happened? What would have happened if Job had said, I don't know, but God does? What would have happened in your life if a friend showed up and said, I don't know. I don't have any answers, but God does. If they had done that, our study of Job would be very short. And this is it. We don't know. And, and sometimes, most times, the very best that we can do is to show up and say, I don't know. I can't explain why this happened, why this person has cancer, why this person's grandson died, why this happened. Why the... I don't know, but God does. And if, if you take nothing else out of this this morning, I wish you would take out, I don't know. And we don't. I mean, do we know what's going on in heaven? We don't even know what's going on in our own lives, let alone the lives of someone else. And, and Job, we'll get to it in Job 23, he said God knows. Psalm 6, or Psalm 1 and verse 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That ought to, I, I don't know what's going on in the world today. I don't. But God does. Boy, I think the Lord's return may be soon, but you know what? I don't know. We ought to be known as, I don't know. And the the few number of things that we do know are I am a great sinner and Jesus is a great Savior. Those are the things that we ought to emphasize and that my sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ and I have the promise of heaven because of faith in Jesus Christ and I know the best is yet to come. Do I know what's going to happen between today and when Christ comes again? I have no idea. I don't know. But God does. Can I explain why certain things happen from simple little things? Why, why did you get a flat tire at this time, the most inopportune time from your perspective, from the simple little things like a flat tire? I don't know. But God does. Why did this whole thing just blow up? I don't know. But God does. And when we come to realize there is no limit to what we don't know, and we are called to speak the truth with love, and to realize that others don't have the answer either, but we can trust God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. 
and He will direct our paths. Heavenly Father, I am grateful that You know. That You know the way of the righteous and that we can trust You. And Lord, I thank You for this record of Job that is for our understanding, for our learning. And I pray that You would help us to be instruments that You can use. Lord, I pray if there are individuals here that don't know they're a great sinner and that Jesus Christ is a great and only Savior, and they have never called upon You, Lord, I pray today would be the day that Your Spirit would draw them to You. And then, Lord, I pray for individuals here that may be wrestling with things that are happening in their life now, or maybe they're, they're still wrestling with things that have happened years ago. Lord, I pray that they would come to have freedom from that by saying, I don't know, but God knows. And that we could then be instruments usable in your hand to bless others, to help others as we speak the truth in love. And Lord, that we would be used of you to be channels to bless others with. That we wouldn't take a right stand in a wrong manner. But Lord, that we would have the right spirit with the right stand for your glory. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going